0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here is why you should watch today's show. What's next for FTX with Binance pulling out of the deal? Could Justin Sun come to the rescue? We'll discuss later with Dan Roberts and Isan Badani. Plus, crypto prices swing wildly on FTX and in place in news. We'll be joined by Dean Carr of See the Light Trading with up-to-date technical analysis. I'm Jeremy Varlow, filling in for the usual suspects. Marco Oliver is with me. Marco, another crazy day of news in the crypto space. How are you holding up, my friend?
1: Well, I think uh, like everybody, I'm you know just uh, a little skeptical. I'm a little bit measured when it comes to these these things. Obviously, it's been a tough, a tough experience for a lot of people out there. So hopefully through today's episode and the uh, the upcoming episodes, we can get more clarity for the viewers, Jeremy.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I mean, the news is coming a mile a minute here. We are trying to stay on top of it as best we can. By the way, before we get into things, don't forget to subscribe to Real Vision Crypto. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you don't miss when we go live. Also, hit the notification bell on the Real Vision Twitter account. We went live with an impromptu Twitter spaces last night. We had over 6,500 people join that space and Rao holding court for over four hours. It was absolutely incredible. Some really good conversation in there. With that said, let's jump into our top stories today. And as I said, we've got a lot to talk about. Since yesterday's show, Binance announced that it would not be buying FTX. The company said on Twitter, and I quote, as a result of corporate due diligence, as well as the latest news reports regarding mishandled customer funds and alleged US agency investigations, We have decided that we will not pursue the potential acquisition of FTX.com. Finance CEO Chen Peng Zhao, better known as CZ, added that it was a sad day. We tried. Then just a few hours ago earlier this morning, we heard from Tron founder Justin Sun, who tweeted we are putting together a solution uh, with FTX to initiate a pathway forward. He added his team is taking steps And I quote, towards a holistic solution that's being crafted to resuscitate and return normalcy for all FTX users. Let's get right into this. A lot to unpack with these tweets. Let's bring in our guests. We've got Dan Roberts, Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt Media, as well as Ishan Badani, DeFi Writer and Analysis. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. How are you today? Uh,
2: Doing great, guys. All things considered, it's it's a wild news day,
3: <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's, why,
2: that's why it's fun to cover this industry.
3: Yeah, there's, sure. there's a lot of people doing a lot worse out there, so um, I definitely can't complain.
1: Very true, yes, a lot of people doing worse. And, you know, one of the things, you know, that, that helps, you know, is that sometimes people can spot and foresee these things. And Ishan, I think that that's a perfect segue into, you know, talking about your Twitter th- thread from uh, October 5th. You had this, uh, you were calling this stuff early, and uh, I'd love it if you could, you know, walk through viewers what you saw back then. Yeah, um,
3: so, so yeah, I, I started to get these inklings about, I would say about a month and a half ago. Um, and, and when I really solidified my thesis, it was, it was basically early in October. Um, and, and really the impetus was not probably anything like super, uh, you know, on-chain sleuthy or, you know, like going really deep in the books. Uh, it was actually pretty, uh, the first inkling that I got was when you started to see the string of executives start leaving, right? So you saw CEO of Alameda Research, uh, I guess co-CEO at the time, Sam Tribucco, Uh, you saw him step down, right? Which was surprising, but, you know, there's a lot of reasons why he could have stepped down. Maybe personal reasons, maybe he's post-economic at this point. Okay, right? Like, we, we can write that one off. And then maybe a week later after that, you saw FTX US CEO, uh, Brett Harrison, step down. And that's the one that really got me interested in what was going on because he had only been there for about six or seven months at the time. And so, being there only six or seven months, there's no way that his equity interest would have vested. And so, that was the original impetus like, okay, well, you know, if this is a multi, multi billion dollar company, probably one of the five fastest growing companies in the world, right? But, you know, going from 2019 to 2022, you know, getting $30 billion valuations, you would have thought that that equity stake would be you know, generational wealth, right? And for him to turn that down, obviously, I don't know the specifics about his financial situations, but that was really shady. And then a week later, you saw the head of institutional um, at, at uh, FTX as well step down very quietly. And that's when I started to really dig into, okay, there's there's definitely something going on here. There's no way all of these guys are just post-economic and just ready to ride off in the, suns- the sunset in the middle of a bear market, right? Um, you know, this is kind of the time where you sit back and you build. And then I started to do a little bit of the deeper diving. I started to look at uh, trading volumes. Um, so trading volumes are really down, but they were down more than most, right? So like trading volumes were looking like December 2020 levels, um, which, which just didn't make sense with how much the industry had grown and the way FTX was growing, the way they were raising capital so easily, um, the way they were deploying a lot of that capital, right? Like so recklessly, right? I, I know we talked about the, the uh, FTX arena for the Miami Heat, that naming steel. Um, and you started to see some of these massive sponsorship deals. I mean, I was just, you know, uh, you know, everywhere you look, the MLB World Series, the T20 Cricket World Cup, you see their names everywhere, right? And those things are obviously not cheap. Um, and so something didn't make sense where volume was going down, so revenue was going down. Some of their venture investments were, were not some of the best investments I've seen. Like, uh, you know, they were doing a lot of late stage, big checks late stage. Not something you would see from, you know, a company as large as FTX who kind of gets their the litter. As far as venture investments, and so it started to look like a lot of reckless spending, and that's when I was like, okay, something is definitely off and fishy here, uh, and 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 that was kind of the impetus. of starting to like kind of put it all together, get all my thoughts in a row, and then I mean, at the time, it was just kind of a, a you know, just throwing it out there. I don't think anyone had any any inkling that there was any kind of liquidity crunch going on there. They should have been probably one of the most capitalized uh, you know companies out there. And um, you know, I guess a month later, it, it just uh, you know, when it rains, it pours. Uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire.
1: Yeah, when there's smoke, there's fire, and it's it's really interesting because sometimes you know, it's it's, it's human nature, right? If uh, if something's going wrong, you're you're kind of double down sometimes to just kind of take the attention away from what it should be, and you know, him going around and. To all these different uh, companies and saying, you know, saying things like, "Oh, there's some third tier exchanges that uh, that might be insolvent." When he, you know, knows this behind the scenes, it's just really interesting. He was doubling down and kind of creating this facade. There, um, I want to bring in Jeremy and Dan here. Uh, Jeremy, I know that you're looking at a tweet from SBF uh, from, from this morning. Give us the scoop on that tweet.
0: Yeah, so obviously SBF broke his silence on Twitter. Uh, I just kind of want to read the first couple of tweets here and then go to Dan for his thoughts. Uh, But he started the thread by saying, and I quote again, I'm sorry, that's the biggest thing. I fudged up and should have done better. Skipping down to the sixth tweet in what was a long thread he outlines that his sense before was that ftx had zero x leverage and that usd liquidity ready to deliver was 24 times average daily withdrawals when actually leverage was 1.7x and liquidity was 0.8x sunday's withdrawals and he finishes by saying of course when it rains it pours we saw roughly $5 billion of withdrawals on Sunday, the largest by a huge margin. So I want to go to Dan Roberts for your thoughts on this thread from SBS. Uh, how are you kind of unpacking it?
2: Well, there's a lot here, guys, and and I'll start this way. I mean, Ishan said so many people wouldn't have guessed that there'd be a liquidity crunch at FTX. And the answer really is there shouldn't have been. But now that we know what FTX was doing behind the scenes with FTT token And that's why, you know, after kneecapping basically the whole company, CZ did a tweet saying two lessons here. And one was, don't use your own token as collateral and don't use customer funds for anything behind the scenes. And that's what FTX was doing. Basically, Alameda, Sam's other company, a hedge fund, was using FTX as its piggy bank. And people probably could have or should have seen that. But I think that people put way too much trust in Sam and that the whole industry creates these heroes out of these figures. I mean... They did it with Doquan and then Terra collapsed. They did it with Suju of Three Arrows Capital and then 3AC collapsed because of its exposure to Terra. And we don't learn. You know, the other thing I'd say here is that the DeFi advocates get to do another victory lap. Whenever these things happen, when Celsius, when Voyager melted down and they're doing it again now, they say, this is why you shouldn't put your money on centralized exchanges. You're entrusting a small number of humans to make decisions with your funds if you use DeFi you're trusting the code. You can see where your tokens are at all times. You can look at the protocol and everything is on chain. Now, of course, I also think Coinbase gets to do a little bit of a victory lap here and say, we've never done that, we don't do that. By the way, we don't even have an exchange token, the way that Binance has BNB and FTX has FTT. Um, In terms of Sam's thread, what blew my mind is what you just read, Jeremy, when he says, I didn't have the right sense of customer's leverage and our own liquidity. Why not? Why doesn't the CEO of the company know what the company's liquidity is? He says, my sense before was leverage, that's customer leverage, 0x, US dollar liquidity ready to deliver, that's for FTX, to cover 24 times average daily withdrawals. Actual, leverage 1.7x and our own liquidity 0.8x Sunday's withdrawals. So suddenly on Sunday, and you can blame CZ for for prompting it by tweeting, we're going to liquidate all our FTT, but not his fault. You know, it could have happened from anyone dumping FTT. Suddenly, if FTT goes down and you get $5 billion worth, Sam tweeted, of withdrawals in one day, FTX couldn't cover. Because where were the funds? They were out there doing other things, and they were tied up in a token that went down. So in many ways, what I would tell viewers is, even though we're talking about an algorithmic stablecoin when it comes to Terra, Versus a centralized crypto exchange when it comes to FTX, two very different things, there's something very similar. Terra was saying, don't worry, the price of one token is tied to this other token. But they just created both of those things. They made them up. So if, if they're both down, you're screwed. And similarly, FTX was relying in many, many ways on the price of its FTT token. Bad.
1: Yeah, very bad. Well, Dan, let me ask you. So you mentioned, uh, you know, CZ kicked this thing off here by with this tweet. I mean, do you think that was intentional or, you I mean, in terms of the timing, right? I, if there was a lot, just the week before, two weeks ago, we had this whole drama with Eric Voorhees and all this other stuff going on with SBF. People lost trust in SBF and it just seemed like, you know, everything happened all at once. I mean, w- what's your take there?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I mean, the FTT sell-off is definitely what triggered this. We can speculate as to CZ's motives, because he saw a great opportunity to kneecap a competitor, and it was a brutal and swift murder. Um, But, you know, CZ didn't specify in his tweets, so we shouldn't speculate. He just said, we're selling all of our FTT due to recent revelations. It's very likely the revelation he's referring to was the leaked Alameda balance sheet that showed just how much Alameda had FTT on its balance sheet. It's likely. We don't know for sure. But what you're referencing of the last two months is really relevant here, too, Marco, which is SBF's kind of fall from grace as a crypto hero. Uh, for, for a couple of years, he was out there. He was Mr. Washington. He was lobbying in D.C. He was cozying up to regulators and politicians. He was winding and dining congressional staffers. And depending on whom you ask, if you ask the suits in this industry, you know people like Kristen Smith of the Blockchain Association were praising him, saying he's been such a wonderful advocate for our industry. This is great. That's fine. But then it's the ultimate irony that CZ, who's always been framed and pitted as the guy who isn't as compliant, hopes the regulars will just go away. You know, he would always refuse to say where their headquarters was. He'd say, we don't have the headquarters. We're a truly decentralized company. He ends up winning. And Sam, who was playing nicely, ends up losing. And, you know, in the last couple months, all of the crypto degens and kind of the true believers had really turned on Sam and they had accused him of being a suit. He was out there saying everyone should do KYC, that's know your customer rules, AML, anti-money laundering rules. And so I do think that that's relevant here. That sort of public narrative change and all the people turning on Sam, that laid the foundation for how swiftly this sell-off happened. When the FTT token sell-off started, all of a sudden everyone was uh, heading for the exits and withdrawing their money from FTX. So one thing prompted the other. But uh, the kind of reputational damage of the last couple months laid the groundwork a little bit.
1: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, I I think, Dan, you bring up a really great point there, which is that uh, you know I think as CZ when he began this process of of starting to kind of puff his chest out a little bit and kind of I think it began as kind of like a you know let me show you who the little brother is kind of a situation like <laughs> let me kind of reestablish my dominance. Uh, I I saw Kobe make uh, make a really great point, which is that. Uh, you know, I think that CZ began thinking that he was kind of throwing rocks at a at a stone house and very quickly realized that this was a totally glass house that shattered pretty quickly. Uh, so it just goes to show, like, he, I don't even think he really understood the lens at, at how bad it was. And then, you know, the combination of, one, uh, the, the, the FTT FUD um, and, and claiming that he was going to dump $2 billion. I mean, of course, like, retail is going to start front running that if you're going to say, I'm going to start t whopping out of, Uh, you know, FTT over the next two months, like, yeah, people are going to get scared. And then that coupled with, uh, I think that obviously started the liquidity crunch, because they had all of this leverage against FTT. um, But that was more of an Alameda problem. And then that coupled with the ensuing bank run, which was pretty easy to spot that it was going to unravel pretty quickly, because uh, people were not taking out their capital out of like a risk of insolvency, they were just doing it as like safety, right? Let me just Better safe than sorry. I've learned my lesson. I mean, it's hard to realize that Luna was only six months ago um, and right. taking it at USTX, <laughs> a lot of people were still kind of uh, having that in the back of their minds. Like, hey, better safe than sorry. And um, for those that got out, they I haven't think-
2: learned their lesson really, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they still, this industry has not learned its lesson. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what's what's going to come next is imagine if FTX, which looked so buttoned up and had so much money in and out in terms of investments. I mean, you alluded to it earlier, Ishan, like how many different things had FTX or FTX Ventures or Alameda invested in? That's another irony here, guys, just quick side note. Sam was Mr. Bailout. I mean, it was yeah, Sam yeah. whose companies bailed out uh, Celsius and Voyager or helped, helped BlockFi too. And it's like, now he needed a desperate, urgent bailout. But how many things had FTX invested in and then how many uh, relationships were in the other direction? Uh, things that had invested in FTX, Sequoia, Tiger mm-hmm. Global and others, And point being, if FTX, which so many people that people generally trust and believe in, believed in, was this much of a shit show, then imagine what other exchanges or companies are currently freaking out, panicking, because they know that behind the scenes, they are just as much of a mess, if not more. I mean, we'll see. But how about Crypto.com? You know, that exchange's volume is 90% down. I saw a tweet, again, I don't know if we've verified this, but I did see a tweet this morning from someone saying they— they couldn't get their money out of crypto.com this morning. There's gonna be more to come on this front. And uh I, I just, you know, something you said there, Ishan, made me made me kind of foam at the mouth because I think a lot of people in this industry still have not learned their lesson.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a very good point. I mean, it it, it doesn't feel like we're at the end of all of this. There it feels like there's still something more to come, and that leads me uh into Uh, An article from Coindesk today, uh, JP Morgan sees a wave of crypto deleveraging from FTX's woes. So my question, I'll go to Ishan for this, how far could this spread, where could the counterparty risk be, you know, what are you looking at and considering as a potential next shoe to fall?
3: Yeah, um, I, I think, uh, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday on Twitter. Um, the contagion is going to be bad. It it, it it just it really is. Um, you know, not only in 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 like Web three, crypto, DeFi, whatever you want to call it, um, but also in TradFi as well, right? So like you talked about Sequoia, uh, already marked down their two hundred million dollar investment in FTX they put out yesterday. Um, you know, Tiger Global, SoftBank, uh, you know, these guys are going to be marking down. You're talking about these Series C rounds where they raised, you know. Four hundred million dollars at about like a thirty billion dollar valuation. You know, that's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's gonna have tread. It's gonna have tradfi implications because people are going to uh, either start pushing their. Uh, you know, their portfolio companies to start marking higher so that these, you know, negative returns don't feel as bad for the funds. So that's going to be a big push, right? They're going to be really big into, be you know, like, let's cut more costs, let's cut more uh, OPEX and, 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 and stuff like that in order to make the books look nicer, valuations look better in TradFi. But then in, in DeFi, it's, it's going to get really ugly really quickly. I think over the next, I think it's going to take about a, a whole quarter Uh, seeing as we're just getting into holiday season. I think a lot of that is going to kind of go under the rug a little bit, but uh, coming on Q1 when people are going to start marking investments and things like that, it's going to get really ugly because you have these massive bring downs. Uh, you know, FTX Ventures is talking about doing 70% uh, you know, sales of, of some of the, the token offerings that they have in, in their venture deals. You're talking about Apto Sui, billions of dollars raised there, 70% markdowns. That could get really ugly really quickly. We um, are talking about you know, massive corporations, uh, you know, uh, multi-coin capital having 10% of AUN stuck on FTX withdrawals. That's bad, especially with how bad Solana is doing. We've heard almost nothing from Jump, um, who not only got hit destroyed by Luna, um, are one of the biggest stakeholders of Soul, uh, and a you know very buddy buddy with the FTX squad. Uh, Jump has been very quiet, so you don't know what's going on there. I mean, they, just from the Wormhole hack, they had a three hundred million dollar hole. They lost a lot in Luna. You saw Galaxy lost seventy six million dollars um, in in uh, in this process as well. So job cuts are coming. I think like this has been an industry where over the past six months we've seen incredible job growth. Um, I think that's going to come to a pretty heavy halt. Um, so, and and uh, yeah, I, I think investors are going to start getting really weary. There's going to be a lot of deleveraging, uh, which is insane that there, everything hasn't been delevered already, seeing as where we've been since May. Uh, but the, the pain is still to come, definitely.
2: And, and just quickly, the irony of all this, guys, is like because of the inflation reading this morning, without the past three days of madness, this probably would have been a very good day for crypto. Um, In fact, you're seeing just a couple names, like kind of weather the storm, ETH has seen a bump today, Coinbase stock up big, you could put that on inflation, or you could put it on the fact that, as I said, Coinbase has used this opportunity to come out and say, we don't do any of that shit, you know, we don't do that with customer funds, we don't have, um, you know, an exchange token that we're tied up in, but some, some names are up, some are not, all the names would be more in the green, I think, if not for the past few days. So that's the irony in terms of, like, what happens in the next little while. It's interesting, Ishan, that you think it'll be months of, of madness. I mean, you know, what I, what I spend a lot of time telling uh, mainstream folks, normies, as sometimes the crypto people call them, and I'm sure everyone on this call has some friends texted them in the last 48 hours and said, like, is Bitcoin going to go to zero? That's the kind of questions you field. Or people say, you know, are you going to be out of a job? Is crypto going to collapse? No. You know, this was just yet another company, one company that was behaving irresponsibly. But it isn't good, and it certainly does reflect on the whole industry every time. And what it does is it gives the certain regulators and politicians who already think that crypto is a giant house of cards and a fraud and a scam, and it's too unsafe, and investors lose their shirts, innocent people, it gives them yet another chance to point at something and say, see, see, this is madness, and we need to severely, strictly regulate. And that sucks, you know? So Sam did not do any favors for the rest of his industry. And again, that's why it's so ironic considering he was seen as such a hero for the last year. Absolutely. And to cool. your
1: point, to your point, Dan, you know, there was that tweet from uh, I believe it was Elizabeth Warren yesterday where she was saying, you know, the collapse of the one of the largest crypto platforms shows how much the industry appears to be smoke and mirrors. You know, we need more aggressive enforcement and I'm going to keep pushing SEC gov to enforce the the law. And then Gary Gensler was on uh, CNBC this morning talking about investors need protections in crypto. But if you were I don't know if you were on the Twitter spaces last night. Ra was saying that, you know, Gary Gensler's and this lack of regulatory clarity is one of the things that, you know, leads to this kind of thing. I mean. What do you make of that? Like, and especially with Sam Bankman-Fried, like, you know, ha- being so close with these politicians, they have a little bit of an egg on their face. How, how do you think they're going to react to the industry? Well, it's, it's an unpopular opinion among crypto circles, but I don't think there
2: is a lack of regulatory clarity. Uh, I think we just don't like the regulatory clarity that we're getting. The clarity is Gary Gensler thinks every single thing other than Bitcoin is an unregistered security. You know, not just ETH, but everything built off ETH, ERC-20, what have you. Uh, We have a good story that I should plug real quick on Decrypt right now by one of our writers talking to a couple lawyers about the library decision on Monday. And everyone is laser-focused on the FTX meltdown, so they may have missed this story. But library is this decentralized, you know, uh, file storage company that had a token. The SEC sued and said that its sale of that token years ago was an unregistered securities offering. Um, Library lost on Monday. And not only did it lose, but the ruling suggests that the court completely in every possible way agreed with and sided with the SEC's argument and even went so far as to say not just that the sale of library's token was a securities offering, but that the token itself was a security even regardless of how it was sold. And that's a sea change. That's not just the Howey test of, you know, if you're selling a token and the buyer expects a profit, it's a securities offering. It's Forget just how you market it, the token is a security. So it should be pretty alarming to people, and it ain't good, you know? And the SEC has basically not changed in the Gensler era its indications that it's giving. So a lot of crypto people are saying, we need regulatory clarity. I think there is regulatory clarity, it's just upsetting and alarming and draconian. And the clarity is they want everything to have to register with the SEC. He wants domain over all of crypto.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What, what do you what do you what's your thought on that, Ishan? Um
3: yeah, the the regulatory issue is 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 definitely a problem. Um, you know, I, I guess I might be biased and and I'm like uh, you know, very obviously like pro decentralization, pro DeFi, uh, you know. So like the way that I come at it personally and like, you know, my personal thought process is that uh, you know, we should be pushing for more transparency, right? And I think transparency kind of solves a lot of these issues. I think that there should be a clear bifurcation between CeFi, C DeFi, and, and real DeFi, right? Where, where everything is just radically transparent. All information and funds are on-chain. No users can be lied to, right? There, there is no need for trust. It's it's trustless security, trustless applications, uh, tr- trustless finance. Um, so, so that's, I guess, my personal purview on it. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally agree Dan. Like, it, it's, it, it's going to get ugly. I think that, you know, this pushed us back so many steps because the, the hurdle that we had was an educational hurdle, right? And, and kind of having that bifurcation and explaining that bifurcation to, I guess, more generally Congress. Obviously, like, Gensler probably understands this. Um, but, it, it, yeah, like, when your golden child who's, who's really, like, going up to bat for you is, is actually, like, going up to bat on a, on a you know, house of cards, uh, it makes everything a lot more difficult. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to need a new, probably bigger, stronger champion to come out of this. If we really want to get the regulation that we want as an industry, but I I totally agree with Dan, like it's not really in our hands anymore. Things are not looking great on the regulatory front. The only argument against that would be like, you know, if they don't do what we want, then this capital, this industry is going to leave and go somewhere else, right? It's going to go somewhere that is more friendly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough situation.
0: Well, I just kind of wanted to jump in there. You talk about a house of cards and um, buried in this SBF tweet thread, uh, Mm -hmm. the 20th tweet in the thread, SBF finishes by saying, at some point I might have more to say about a particular sparring partner, so to speak, but you know, glass houses. So for now, all I'll say is, well played, you won. Mm -hmm. Pretty ominous wording there. And I mean, it's certainly doesn't do a whole lot of net good for the space to be making statements like that. Um, I'm just wondering if either of you gentlemen have anything to say about those words in particular, what your thoughts are.
3: Yeah. Um, so, so one, I think this sets up for this awesome, like, Revenge of the Sith arc for SPS, which I'm totally. super excited for. Uh, like, you know, this man is, is uh, you know, you don't go from, you know, Jane Street Trader to, you know, top, you know, 100 billionaire in the world in two, three years without knowing what you're doing and having a game plan, I think they are going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be in the war room and they're going to come back with something. I think this is kind of like an interesting foresight into like, hey, this is not done. We're not over. Um, You know, this, you may have won the battle. You have not won the war. Um, That's probably bad for the industry, like net bearish. But, um, you know, it's, you know, like, the, the, the power to, like, be down on your last knee and still throw shots um, is something I just have a lot of respect for, right? Like, uh, you know, to, to be able to <laughs> just, like, go down kicking and screaming um, is, is uh, at least, like, uh, you know, uh, one silver lining you can take away.
0: So with that, you also mentioned that we might need a new white knight to come in and save the day, and... Lo and behold, none other than uh, Justin's son of Tron has stepped up to the plate. Um, mm. He sent out a tweet thread that I mentioned earlier. What uh, What are your thoughts about uh, his entering uh, this ordeal
3: and trying to provide a little bit of a solution? Uh, this uh, at the moment it looks like a good PR stunt. Like, hey, yeah. we're we back. All the F, you know, all the you know, That's BTC, TRX, and everything. It's going to be a really great uh, publicity stunt for him. Now, like, you know, if he was really going to be the white knight and come and save everybody, he would have, and, and even the wording when it first began this conversation seemed like he was coming for more, but now I guess it's come out that it's really just like his tokens that he's backing, um, which is good for him and, and good for his number go up, but um, overall for the industry, like, it, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be coming in on, a, on his white horse, you know, dropping into Washington and, and, and start, you know. Uh, you know, everybody hop on the bandwagon, I got it. Like, I, I don't think Justin Sun is probably the right guy for that. But, I mean, he also probably has been one of the few guys who have never missed. Like, you know, you know, we've seen a lot of people rise and fall in this industry in, in like, probably a short two, three-year span this cycle. Um, and he's one of the guys that were, you know, he was up there when it started, and he's still left standing. I would say, like, if you were to rank all of, like, crypto Twitter, uh, call it, like, cult figures that people yeah. rally around – uh, he's probably the last one standing, and that says something. Uh, you know, while I don't think, you know, TRX began, you know, like a, you know like half of TRX's white paper is, like, copy-pasted from the Ethereum white paper. Um, but, you know, the way you can still keep standing, you know, still be top 10, top 15 coin. Um, you know, buying Huobi, he's definitely got the cash. I mean, his public DeFi wallet still has, like, a quarter billion dollars that he just actively invests. So, um, you know
2: there's no doesn't, have t- doesn't have 10 billion though <laughs> which is what FTX needs for its rescue does not have the funding i thought of the elon tweet funding secured funding not secured for justin sun to come in <laughs> yeah. it would have to be quite a few people or figures and uh justin sun and tron like to do this a lot i think ishan nailed it for now it's a it's a nice bit of pr and everyone writes a story oh justin sun says he's going to help uh now look it, it is you know it's not just a pr stunt because sam confirmed in his pre thread that Justin's son is among the people we're talking to or in his letter to employees today. But still, I don't think that's going to be the biggest source of of help here. And if you're one of the few remaining really well-capitalized players, why would you want to rescue FTX? You know, And, and same question goes for FTX US customers. I'm kind of blown away, guys, by how many people seem to be buying hook, line, and sinker the claim that FTX US is separate and is healthy and is fine. Well, did you learn nothing from the fact that behind the scenes, FTX and Alameda were way too close and and in the same bed and that one a hedge fund was using customer funds from the other an exchange as its piggy bank. So I don't believe that for a second that FTX US would continue to function uh, and swim along fine amid all this meltdown of FTX Global. So similarly, you know, I I just can't really see why someone would be convinced to to bail out uh, the bailer right now. So it, it is interesting. I mean, the Justin Sun part, We'll see. I I mean, he's scrambling now to get more funding. I love what Ishan said about the Revenge of the Sith narrative. There's been a meme going around crypto Twitter that actually has some substance to it, which is it shows all of the different crypto figures whose platforms or companies have collapsed epically. You know, Doquan, Suju, Quadriga, Silk Road, all these guys. And they're up in the sky in the clouds. It looks like they're in heaven, like they're dead. And then they're saying, Sam, join us. <laughs> and it is just hard after all this to imagine Sam doing something successful and bouncing back in crypto. I mean, never say never. And we know that you know, Doquan has tried the same. Oh, Terra 2.0. Um, but man, after something like this, and again, we're still not even through the revelations here of just how poorly the company was run. So I don't know. It's hard for me to see it. Uh, maybe what we might see at best is someone does some form of a bailout just to make the users whole. Just so the users can get their money out, and then the thing shuts down.
3: Yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point there, which is that like um, you know, it's very unlikely, in my opinion, that we see a bailout uh, because if you've seen the FTX platform, you know, uh, they've raised in total like a little, a close to a billion dollars in in all of their rounds, right? So why would you? Put together six to ten billion dollars to bail out this this brand that's uh, you know might might be just about dead. When you can take that six billion dollars and just spin up your own exchange, right? Uh, like you know, customer acquisition, all that. Like they've been able to do all this in a billion dollars. If you took two billion, three billion dollars, you'd still be net up uh, if you were to just try to do this yourself. So, uh, I, I I personally don't think a white knight is coming. I think uh you know, and and FTX US like that's a that's a whole other potential can of worms. Um, but you know. FTX U.S. might have gotten you. FD, you know The FDIC, I mean, they wouldn't have stepped in, but th- there could have been some kind of reconciliation there uh, with an international company based in the Bahamas. Like, uh, you know, it's very unlikely. I-, I don't think anyone's coming.
0: Thank you for that, gentlemen. We want to go to Dean Carr from CLA Trading in just a moment. So very briefly, I uh, want to thank you for your time, obviously. If you want to just highlight maybe a key takeaway or two from both of your sides... Uh, before we leave you for the day,
3: uh, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, um, so so yeah, my biggest t- takeaway is is DeFi, 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 right? Like, de- you know, this is the competitive advantage of the industry. This is the reason that this industry exists, right? Like, you know, the c5 you know, called FTX, Celsius, Voyager, it was just a means in order to get people on chain, right? And and it, there, it should what what cefi and these institutions and coinbase should function as as just an on-ramp or for the average retail customer that doesn't want to but i think like the biggest thing is like the importance of self custody right like anything that you want to do at a centralized institution you now have the infrastructure to be able to do on a a decentralized platform that does not take custody right if you want to trade uh you know if you want to trade perps with leverage right because you're just a degenerate gambler, then like you can go to your gains network on Polygon, or you can go to GMX, right? You know, if you want a a place to earn slight yields, you can go to Aave Compound, right? Where they're not taking custody of your assets. Everything is transparent on chain. Um, So I think like, while it will take a little bit of time to unravel this, uh, DeFi is going to be the clear winner. It's just like, can we communicate that properly?
2: I like that. And um, in a similar spirit, one thing I'd say, and I alluded to earlier, the many people who understandably have a lot of questions when they see stories like this, if they're not in crypto. And the larger assumption is like, oh, crypto is a total mess, total house of cards that no one should touch. And I don't blame those folks. But what I'd say is, you know, another meltdown of a irresponsible bad actor should not be taken as reflective of the whole industry. You know, this does not mean that the way FTX was operating, yeah, see, that's what everyone in crypto does. Uh, Ishan pointed to DeFi, that's one area I would bring up, and, you know, crypto skeptics laugh at this, and they think Web3 is a joke, but I would bring up the whole culture and, and art side of this. I mean, there are a huge number of people who are doing legitimately interesting things with NFTs. That's a term we haven't, you know, mentioned today. So that's just one example. The point is, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in crypto. It is going to continue apace. It will continue to grow, even though this is a brutal, bloodbath bear market, and the meltdown of another key player should not be taken as a death knell for the industry.
1: Perfect. hundred
4: percent. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, gentlemen. I think that was that was a great conversation. I appreciate that. Uh, and then, I so I think uh, with that said, let's jump into the technical analysis. I know that people were waiting for that. Let's bring in Dean Carr to the to the stage. Dean Carr, also known as See the Light. How are you doing, Dean?
4: Good. How are you today?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, Dan and Ishan earlier, they were they were speaking about CP- or I believe it might have been Dan. He he mentioned the CPI numbers, right? Uh, we crypto rallied a little bit on the CPI numbers. We had uh, headline inflation at seven point seven, which is lower than expected. I believe it was eight percent that was expected. Core CPI did rise, I believe, from six point three to six point five. I mean, what's your what's your take on CPI and and, and how how is that uh, affecting your strategy overall?
4: Well, basically, since inflation started picking up and the Fed started raising rates, my thinking was that the liquidity was being drained out of financial markets, which would affect crypto, stocks, etc. So, with this kind of backing off, slight backing off, quote unquote of inflation today, I think maybe we're reintroducing some more interest in getting some liquidity back in the market and maybe the fed will have a lower end game rate interest rate as a result if we start slowing down as far as cpi is concerned now the timing of the cpi number with everything that's going on with F- ftx is kind of incredible because i think some of the buoyancy you're seeing today in crypto is a result of the stock market really booming up higher today and and kind of getting a a firmer footing off that CPI number. So the play is simple. As far as I'm concerned, if the N rates by the Fed are lower than expected or capped because CPI is fading, that's gonna be helpful to uh, crypto in general.
1: And by the end rate, you mean the terminal rate, I'm guessing. Right. At the end. So, I mean, and uh, just one more follow-up question to that. I mean, so since it's it is acting this way, do do you or heading it seems at least in the direction that they're intending. I mean, when are you expecting, or maybe that we could see a Fed pivot? I know a lot of the market was speculating
4: it'd be Q1. Do you have any thoughts on that? I've been leaning Q1 2023 myself, also, but. In the past, uh, you know, inflation's had little blips downwards, and then it's it's sped up to the upside again. So I'm not ready to kind of feel that inflation's dead. It's it's more about how the next trend uh, in CPI and uh, PCE will be when the Fed gets those numbers and we get those numbers uh, reported. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm not willing to kind of put the Q1 timeframe in stone, carve it in stone, but I'm certainly thinking Q1, Q2, with the rates affecting housing, et cetera, we might get a slowdown enough in the overall, overall economy that will kind of ease inflation. Now, that's all speculation at this point. There's a lot of factors, supply chain, et cetera, that's outside of the Fed's hands in, in many ways, but you know, this is kind of the overall thought I'm having, and I'm leaning towards that and kind of looking at markets in that way, as far as investing going forward.
1: Perfect. Well, with that said, like as that that with that as a backdrop, let's jump into the charts. Let's start with a uh, Bitcoin first and uh, and tell me what you see going on with Bitcoin.
4: Well, you know, for the longest time I've had the you know, inclination that we have a a weekly bear pennant in Bitcoin and I was expecting a further drop at some point unless we are able to maneuver to the upside and have a rotation for lack of better words on the monthly or even longer three month chart or quarterly chart. We didn't get any of that. So my my thoughts were negative going into this event here. Now, having said that, we've just had what I call a look below reversal potential. And in order for that to be, come to fruition, you have to have a rotation, maybe next week or next monthly chart. If we stay in this zone and, and recover the lows from this summer, and then rotate back up. Maybe this was the kind of the climax downside event we needed to clean up this bear market. If it is not going to hold here, I'm expecting, you know, between 12 and 14,000 as the next target at the very minimum. And, you know, as a crypto enthusiast and trader, I don't want to see that. But, you know, based on my past experience and technical analysis, that's kind of the way I'm approaching it. So, Prove it to me, and I'll get long again more heavily. If you don't prove it to me, I'm looking for lower prices.
1: Well, speaking about uh, twelve to fourteen thousand Bitcoin, I can only imagine what that would ha- what that would mean for Ethereum or the other tokens. Let's 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 talk about Ethereum. What are you seeing going on with Ethereum?
4: Well, Ethereum actually is showing a lot of relative strength. Um, one of my colleagues, Bob Lucas, mentioned yesterday that it was. You know really holding in considering the washout and a lot of other cryptos and and you know i i concur with that i've been looking at ethereum as my number one investment if it proves itself again in the same manner that i just discussed with bitcoin uh, i would probably be leaning towards ethereum more than bitcoin personally because of the fact that it's showing relative strength no new lows yet it held the summer lows And it's actually just bouncing around this 200 SMA average on the uh, I guess I have the weekly chart up there if I can see. And, uh, you know, as long as it holds this area and doesn't make new lows, then I think this could lead out if we recover from here.
1: Very interesting because that Ethereum is doing, you know, stronger than or is doing relatively better than 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 Bitcoin. I wonder if that's because of all the things that are built on top of Ethereum. People use it for NFTs. People use it for, you know, all types of things you know, in in DeFi and everything, whereas Bitcoin is a little, it doesn't have that, right? It's still mainly people trade with it, but it's mostly just that. I mean, you can use it for currencies in some places, but it's not really like that. Um, I'd love to explore this relationship of ETH-BTC a little bit more. Let's jump into the ETH-BTC chart, and let's kind of like look a little bit more closely at what's going on there.
4: Okay. So at this point, as you can see, and this is another example of its relative strength, When you look at this relationship on this spread here between the eth and the uh, btc what you have is a potential pennant to the upside and i've drawn in an arrow kind of loosely for now uh, because this type of pattern typically resolves in the way it came into the sideways action so you come in to the upside you go sideways you leave to the upside that's how how trends actually develop and if we can leave this area right now and start, you know, moving higher and, and get over that pennant area, I think we can push back up towards the all-time highs. And that's another reason that I'm kind of bullish on Ethereum if it can prove itself.
1: And that pennant area you're talking about is—is is if we can pass that 0.07 uh, kind of, yeah, that, that, pretty that much
4: in that area. And I would, you know, with anything I do, I don't just look at a price going through. To me, a price going through and then falling back is random noise. If it gets through that number and closes above it on a daily or weekly basis, then you know the buying is more real or potentially more real than just a, a quick rip to the upside and then a hard fade based on some you know, a stop loss hits, et cetera. So rather than random noise, it's, more, it's something you can hang your hat on and, and kind of have a risk reward scenario that, that's uh, preferable.
1: Gotcha. Well, we couldn't we couldn't have this episode without at least covering all the tokens that were affected by this Binance, FTX stuff that we covered at the top, right? I mean, it's clearly on everyone's mind. Let's start with the the Binance coin. What do you see going on with BNB?
4: Well, that's that's kind of my second coin that I've been looking at, and actually Ethereum has been my number one trader that I really want to focus on, and then Binance coin based on what I'm seeing here has potential if it can close back over 360. now that seems like a long way from here but just the other day we were right there so if we can close back over 360 then I can get bullish and be long Binance coin until then I'd rather just be on the sidelines waiting and ready with you know uh liquidity ready to uh, push in when it's time you know uh, based on that pattern and that quarterly this is a three-month chart is what you're looking at there uh the bull flag still exists we're still hanging around that 10 ema it still has a constructive look to it and based on that pattern if we can close over 360 then i want to be long the, the the binance so if they come out of this mess cleaner than most others i think that's a possibility that binance could find see some buying as a result
1: well, speaking about them coming out of this mess cleaner than others, I know a few days ago, we actually hit an all-time high with B, the BNB over BTC in terms of that cross pair. Uh, so let, let's take a look at that, that chart, BNB over BTC. Um, and so we hit an all-time high. I know we kind of retreated some. Where do you see that heading?
4: Well, you know, I, I did um, provide a little look here. And typically, as you can see, I, I measure off the sideways pennant, similar to what I discussed in the ethereum btc relationship this is a similar pennant that's actually resolved and broken up to the upside so this is kind of how i would measure targets and and my target as you can see the 261.8 is substantially higher than where we are now but it came very close on that spike recently i think as you know yesterday maybe and um, so now i'm kind of skeptical as far as bnb being stronger than btc down the road if it really explodes from here then we could really you know this can really pop higher and just run straight up and that would take it to an extension much higher from here and i'd rather not even discuss that target because it's 4.236 uh extension of that particular chart so i don't want to put up dreams and in people's heads when you have something that you can look at right now and as far as i'm concerned it's it's later in the trend i would much rather be buying let's say six or seven candles ago when we broke out now you're chasing let it settle and then you can probably kind of maneuver back in so my my thoughts on any of these charts that i'm talking about is there's no fomo it's a patience game i think some of the reasons that i've been able to avoid this whole liquidity downdraft in many of them is because none of the charts were constructive everything was in a bear market I don't buy bear markets. I look to sell them more than anything. So if the trend is higher, then the, the price will show you. It's it's as simple as that. Interviews by me or anyone else that discusses anything but the trend is not really my thing. I I, I enjoy listening to people discuss the inner workings of, of some of these coins, but price is the truth, in my opinion. If price is not going up, I don't want to I don't want to own it. So
1: yeah, definitely. You don't want to be buying uh, falling knives, right? And uh, as we speak about falling knives, one of those things would be FTX. That's uh, definitely a perfect uh, yeah. you know, chart to describe, like a falling knife type of coin. Uh, I mean, walk us through what, what, what you saw going on there.
4: Well, this particular chart doesn't cover everything that I saw. But the bottom line is, once again, you had a sideways pattern that you came into going down, correct? So you went down. Then you went sideways. So you'll typically will leave the pattern to the, in the same direction. and That's exactly what, what we did here. It's, it's not, if you look at the chart, it seems oversimplified when I discuss it that way, but that's how I look at markets. You come into something going side, or going down into the sideways pattern, then you look for it to exit in the same direction. In order for me to turn you know, more comfortable or bullish on something like this, which is very highly unlike, unlikely at this point, it would have to get over this whole red candle and start closing over it. And that's probably not anytime soon. So, trend wise, this has been a downtrend. There's been no reason to own it. And as far as I'm concerned, currently, yes, it's oversold. But with things going on, who knows what the contagion can lead to? This is like the Lehman moment of crypto, is how we would look at this. And, uh, you know, how are these other. Uh, you know, uh, exchanges going to be affected by the larger, you know, FTX being one of the exchanges that you get liquidity out of. How is that going to affect everything else? So, FTT right now is back to where it broke out from a long, long time ago, 2020 ish. But am I a buyer? Absolutely not. I have no interest in it. Absolutely. I love
1: that phrase. Uh, obviously, obviously, it's ominous. It's not a, you know, it's not a great thing. But you said FTX is the Lehman moment. And I think that that's a uh, super, super fitting. Uh, last token that I want to cover today is Solana because Solana has relationships or there was there's speculation, at least online on Twitter on through some some media outlets that, you know, Sam Bankman Free was a huge backer of Solana. And so obviously that token has kind of been affected by this fallout. Walk me through what you see going on with Solana
4: well again it's you know I might sound like a broken record but again it came into the pattern going sideways it came into the pattern going down and went sideways and it's leaving the same direction it came into it it's just a bear trend continuation now having said that this might be a better scenario than FTT because it's really getting closer to that area that I consider viable on a risk reward basis the only problem I have is your risk is zero you, You can't put in a stop loss for a trader. You want to look at risk reward at all times. So your risk is zero. If you're buying down here, to me, you have to risk all the way down to zero. But when you look at the risk reward, that's not bad. So if you really want to, it's more of a gambler type strategy here than a trader. You're not following a trend. You're buying a falling knife, a safe, whatever you want to call it. It's very heavy, hard to catch heavy safes, and uh, this is the case here. But, you know, if if it can recover, there's so much room to the upside that your risk reward may be four, five, 10 to one. That's the scenario you wanna look for as a trader. And if you do that 20 times, and you you play those kind of uh, risk reward scenarios, you're gonna end up on top.
1: Yeah, and real briefly, as you're speaking about risk reward scenarios, which which tokens, I mean, I know you mentioned Ethereum and BNB. Which ones are you seeing that have the best best risk-reward scenarios out there right now? Or they could have them in the next 12 months?
4: I'm, You know, I'm heavily leaning towards Ethereum right now. I'm like, every day I look at it and I get closer and closer to buying it. But I pull my hand back with all the background news and binary events happening in the, in the tape bombs, as I call them coming out on the news every second. I, I just hold back until I get that 360 you know, plus close. That's my main focus. Ethereum right now is my main focus. I own zero right now, but I'm willing to own quite a bit of it if we get that closing 360 plus price uh, point. That would be my number one. BNB based on the survival of the fittest scenario and, and him pulling back from FTX I thought was a good idea. Because, you not I mean, yes, it's maybe bad for the whole crypto community, but as a, a person running a, a, you know, platform like he does and provides all that liquidity, why would he want to jeopardize that by, you know, jumping into something and so many unknowns, how much money is out there? I mean, how much leverage is out there that's not accounted for at this point? So as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the positives as far as BNB being sort of my second choice when and if it gives me a reason to get long.
1: Perfect. Well, I think with that said, I think this is a perfect place to bring in Jeremy for key takeaways. Jeremy, I mean, you were listening to this conversation. What did you take away from it? Super, super insightful. Thank you to
0: Dean. A couple key takeaways from today, and I apologize if you can hear the fire alarm going off behind me, the perfect analogy for everything that's going on in the crypto world right now. but dean's key takeaways obviously he is looking at ethereum uh to add a position uh based on the relative strength that it's showing obviously he's looking for uh, a change in trends uh, but also looking at binance bnb coin if it breaks that 360 dollars level uh from dan roberts at decrypt uh he mentioned something very poignant that people not in crypto have a lot of questions and are obviously uh you know, pointing a lot of fingers at the space right now, but he believes that another meltdown uh, of another actor in the space should not reflect the whole industry. There is so much going on when it comes to culture, community, the art side, and NFTs, which I certainly agree with. And then last, lastly, Ishan, uh, he mentioned DeFi, 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 and I think you know, I hope that this is finally uh, the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, and gets people to really embrace this, understand that self-custody is so, so, so important using you know, cold storage, hardware wallets, uh, and things of that nature. We want everyone to be safe here uh, and really enjoy the ride. Um, that's everything that I have today. I want to thank our guests, Dean Carr, Ishan Badani, and Dan Roberts uh, for Marco and myself. We thank everyone for watching and we will see you again next time on the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing.